Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello. Just before I get started, um, my friend Matilda, if you are a patron on Liz Explains, she did an episode with me about Demi Lovato's YouTube documentary. So that's her. She lives in Australia and she asked me, and I forgot to put it on last week, but I'll put it on this week, to plug a charity in Australia. If you guys don't know, last week in Australia, it was their Australia Day, which celebrates in quotation marks. Uh, the day that, like, white settlers first came to Australia. And if you don't know, Australia has a pretty similar uh, colonization history uh, as the United States. And Aboriginal people in Australia have been treated extremely badly. And there's a big, uh, like, protest movement about no longer celebrating that day. And she asked me if I could plug a charity that helps Aboriginal people in Australia, I, I'm i sorry, I don't know if it's Aboriginal or Indigenous or if it's both. I feel like the website used both, so please let me know if I'm not using the correct word, but it's called paytherent.net.au. I donated 26 American dollars is $20 in Australia, in Australia, 20, 26 American dollars is $20 in Australian money, and they help pay people's rent, which you guys know I'm a big believer in like direct action charity where you put money directly in the hands of people that need it. And so, yeah, if you can go donate, would really appreciate it. I'll put the link in the bio. It's not a bio. It's a description. Yeah, I guess it's a description. Um. Okay, so hi. How is everyone? If you are not a patron, patreon.com slash Liz Explains, come join us. This week's episode was me and Troy doing Great Gardens. I think it was possibly my best Patreon episode ever. This week, I'm going to do a solo episode, which I haven't done on there in a really long time, um, talking about YouTube. So if you are interested in becoming a patron, I highly recommend it. Highly, highly recommend it. And yeah, come join me. But I think that's all the plugging that I need to do. How are we? Are we good? There's hasn't been that much teen mom drama this week that I can think of. I feel like something big happened. I guess that was Javi and Lauren last week. Hmm, I guess it's not that big if it's not fresh on my mind. <laughs> there is some drama, but I feel like it directly relates to the show. So instead of doing it like at the top because it's Gary and Amber, but it's it's like playing off of what happened on the show this week. So I'm going to talk about that. This week was the premiere of Teen Mom OG and I hate to say it. I didn't mind watching this episode. <laughs> it wasn't dramatic and I'm sure by episode like three I'll be very over this season. But as far as it like being an opening episode, I felt it was pretty good. I I don't know. I really didn't mind it. Um, I did post. Okay, so Mackenzie McKee has been wilding out on her Facebook page when it comes to politics. Um, I don't know if I shared this on the pod, but I caught a block on her Twitter. I, I'm really like a no engagement person anymore. As you guys all know, I used to be like a terrible internet troll, like circa 2011 to 2013-ish. And basically I'm blocked by most of the Teen Mom cast members across multiple platforms. <laughs> God, I was, I don't know. It was just something that I did. I don't do this anymore. My 
per my persona no my rule is basically just like don't engage with people that you don't like online anymore not just with teen mom but like across the board like I like to troll um about Caroline Calloway say but like I don't comment on Caroline Calloway's stuff like I don't respond to her it's not my deal like I like to exist like in a non-tagging world although I tweeted something about Kat Marnell the other day or a couple weeks ago and she fucking name searched herself and responded to me I was like I didn't fucking tag you I hate that I hate when I like tweet about something and they search themselves and find me it's like if I did not tag you please do not respond to me Stop name searching yourself. It's not healthy. <laughs> anyway, I've not been a fan of Kat Marnell since after Matt Lauer. Remember when all that, um, the stories came out about Matt Lauer raping a coworker? Uh, Kat Marnell tweeted something along the lines of, I could find the tweet, I still have the screenshot, but it's something along the lines of like, how's a woman going to obliterate her body with alcohol, go to a man's hotel room, and then claim that he raped her? So fuck Kat Marnell forever, as far as I'm concerned. That is just the lowest bottom of a tweet that you could ever put out. And even if you delete it shortly after, like, you have made your beliefs clear and I will not ever support you again. That's just my thoughts and theories on Kat Marnell. Um, Where was I? Oh, so Mackenzie McKee tweeted something. I don't even know what it was about, honestly. No idea. But I retweeted it with, she's addicted to being stupid. <laughs> I just, it was so stupid. It was so stupid what she said. And I will admit, I'm like a little, I wish I didn't do it because Mackenzie McKay's Twitter, like, I feel like it doesn't get a lot of attention. And most of the stuff that I would like post on Instagram, feathers underscore pod about Mackenzie McKee was stuff that I like personally saw happen on Twitter. Um, I feel like she just doesn't get as much press as everybody else, of course. Most of the stuff that I post on my Teen Mom Instagram comes either from I saw it on Reddit or I saw it on Twitter or I saw it on Facebook. Like, I saw it somewhere. Somebody else posting it. Rarely am I, like, seeing it in the moment. And with Mac McKee's Twitter, I was doing that. So that's kind of a bummer that I did that and got myself blocked. But, you know, it is what it is. But I was alerted by someone to look at her Facebook page, which is public. And I scrolled for, like, four minutes and just got so enraged. I had to... um like, I, ha I I actually took screenshots of it. And then I was like, you know what? This isn't even worth posting about because, like, there is nothing. I don't know. Like, I don't I don't want to post about this. You know, like, I don't, there's a lot of stuff that happens in Teen Mom World that I consciously choose not to post about. Like, I'm sure I've talked about this before. I don't post, what, 99% of what David Eason posts. Like, I don't really see the point necessarily in sharing like a known racist being racist like I people on reddit all the time will like post these awful things that David posts and I'm like there's nothing to talk about like David Eason is a deplorable person right like he is despicable like I don't need to put that on my feed because there's nothing productive to discuss with it and originally when I was like looking at Mackenzie's feed it was like I, I can't even deal with this it's just making me mad this is stupid her big thing is that <laughs> This is what drives me nuts. Okay. We all know Mackenzie McKee is a fucking idiot, right? Like, we're all on the same page. Like, she's stupid. And I try not to get angry by stupid people, but stupid people that have platforms do bother me. <laughs> they do. They do bother me. And her big thing is that she thinks that Joe Biden is going to raise taxes by, like, 100%. <laughs> 
that that's her big thing which like okay you're allowed to think that and regularly she'll post things like I have no idea why nobody like I don't even know how to word it basically she'll be like and people voted for him they don't even know why they voted for him the only reason they voted for him is because he's not Donald Trump which one I would like to say like voting for someone because they're not Donald Trump is actually a legitimate reason to vote for someone (laughs) that's fine like that's actually okay but the thing that drives me nuts about that is that she's so stupid and like uninformed that she literally does not get that people understand policy like when she says like people can't even explain a reason that they voted for him it's like no you can't explain a reason because you don't understand anything about this (laughs) like just because you don't understand why people would vote for Joe Biden doesn't mean that I don't understand why I voted for him like I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like Republican policies. I've talked about extensively on here, but I know why people vote for them. I understand what the Republican platform is. I understand why people are Republicans. I don't agree with it, but I understand why. I would never post like, people can't give me one good reason they voted for Donald Trump. They have a million reasons that they view as good for voting for Republicans. Just like I have reasons to vote for Democrats that I view as good reasons. And when people say stuff like that, I feel like they're just telling on themselves that they are so uneducated that they don't understand why people vote for what party they vote for. Because like, yeah, I voted for Joe Biden because he's not Donald Trump. Sure, in the end, like that's kind of what it came down to because I didn't support Biden in the primary and I don't particularly think he's going to be some great president. But yes, I voted for him because he's not Donald Trump. But I also voted for him for a million reasons. Like, let's go over a few. (laughs) Healthcare, reproductive healthcare, uh, immigration status, let's protect DACA, uh, COVID response, vaccines, masks. Like, we can go over a million reasons that people vote for the Democratic Party, just like I can go over a million reasons why people vote for the Republican Party. And when people say stuff like that, I just find it so infuriating because it's like, you don't understand. Don't put your ignorance on me. Because I'm not a fucking idiot like you are. And that's my spiel. Oh, why am I here? I was like, and that's what I feel about Mac McKee. Uh, Because I had seen this post, but I didn't go into the comments. And this is kind of when I decided to like click off her Facebook post because I was like, this is just making me mad. It's not being productive. But she had shared this post about Kamala Harris that was like, she's not a woman to look up to. And it was like 10 reasons like our daughter shouldn't look up to her. One was... I swear to God, one mentioned chopping up babies, (laughs) like if that tells you, mentioning that she slept with a married man. Of course, they don't mention that the married man had been like uh, separated from his wife for over 10 years before they dated. Of course, there was like they slid in, like put a lot of black men in prison. It's like, yeah, but stop pretending like you care about racism or that you care that she did that. Like, please stop pretending that because that's actually a bad thing that she did. And we can talk about that, but stop pretending like you're actually not for that. But okay. <laughs> okay. So I saw the post and I was like, this is so stupid. And somebody had left a comment that was like, yeah, my daughters don't have to look up to her. And Mackenzie McKee's response was, I want to read it word for word um, because it's really gross what she said. Where did she say this? Um, oh, there was something that happened this week. I'll get there shortly. Okay, so she says, it blows my mind that of 
all out of all the amazing colored women in this world, that is the one who is making history. Colored women. Colored women. Mackenzie McKee is so stupid. And Maria actually, my friend Maria texted me this and she was like, I can't get over the fact that like Mackenzie thought she was probably being politically correct when she said that because she doesn't understand what the difference between woman of color and colored women is. And I saw some people on Reddit being like, she obviously just misspoke and she wasn't trying to be offensive. I'm like, go fuck yourself. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. If you're going to speak, know what you're fucking talking about. And if you don't, then you have to catch the heat for it. You know, like if you are going to speak, especially about a sensitive issue like this, like know what you're fucking saying, because if you say it wrong, we're going to come for you for it and you deserve it. So she's just so gross. Colored women that. What the fuck? Like, she's just. Oh, I fucking hate Mackenzie. I she really the stuff that she's been posting is really offensive, like really offensive. I really don't like it. It's not just like basic I'm a Republican stuff because whatever, you know, like people are Republicans. Like that doesn't mean that you can't be on the show Teen Mom because you're a Republican. But the stuff she's posting is just, it's despicable. It's really despicable. Calling uh, Kamala Harris saying that she is not a colored woman that should be looked up to. It's just so gross. It's really gross. I mean, look, Am I her biggest fan? No. (laughs) No, we can have a constructive conversation on the issues with Kamala Harris. Like, there is, you know, there's stuff to talk about, but not from the angle that Mackenzie McKee is coming at. I just find it to be so gross. She just is really, she really upsets me. The thing I forgot that happened this week is that Chelsea's baby was born the same day as Watson, which is crazy because Chelsea and Lane have the same birthday. Now Watson and the new baby have the same birthday. And the baby's name is Walker June DeBoer. This is possibly my least favorite teen mom baby name. Walker is, it's not good, especially for a girl. I really, I really don't like it. I really don't like it at all. Um, I actually don't really like any of Chelsea's kids' names. I do like Lane as a name, but I don't like the Y in there. I think Chelsea has bad tastes. Well, I think she has bad tastes in a lot of things, and I guess names are included in that. I Like, June Walker is such a perfectly cute name. June is a cute name. Why, like, Walker, I really actually like masculine names for girls. Like, I like a girl... Carson, a girl Dylan, a girl James. Like, I actually really like that, but Walker is bizarro. I'm sorry. I do not like it. If your daughter's name is Walker, well, you know, these are my opinions. (laughs) I can't, I can't change things, okay? I just don't like it. I don't like it at all. There's also no good nickname for it. I guess Wally. But like a girl wall, I don't know. I don't know. It's Walker. Walker, Texas Ranger is the only thing that I can think of. (laughs) Also, there's a new Walker, Texas Ranger coming out now on CW with um, Dean from Gilmore Girls on it. So like I've been hearing Walker, Texas Ranger every once in a while recently. So it's like fresh in my mind. I just don't like it, guys. I don't like it. She also launched her website, Aubrey Says, which is 
home goods, but I'm using home goods in quotes because actually what it is is just various pieces of crap that she clearly got on Alibaba and is selling. They are so stupid. One is a felt flag that says sweatpants on it for $48. I swear to God. She has those fuzzy slides slippers that like are knockoff Uggs that every store has right now that you could absolutely go buy at Target or on Amazon for probably half the price that she's selling them for. Um, she has a mug that's like $20 that is not dishwasher safe. Uh, her big thing is like a blanket <laughs> and like right like stupid prints that clearly you can get on AliExpress. It's just it's so bad and the worst part is that it's all gonna sell out. <laughs> That's the worst part of it all is that it's all going to sell out because people want to be Chelsea's friend and they feel like if they buy her stuff, they're like buying a piece of being her friend, which is what being an influencer is, right? Like that's what influencing is. It's just stupid. Aubrey Says is truly one of the worst names ever. Like it, it's so dumb. Aubrey Says is such a dumb name if you're going to do a home goods line, like, do a home goods line. Like, don't make a candle, a mug, a, a blanket. Like, the only real home goods things in there were a blanket and a fucking, like, wall art, art, art in quotes, because it's not even wall art. It's prints of, like, words. Like, I wouldn't change anything. <laughs> it's so bad. Also, like, nobody copywrote, copyrighted. Co- not copyright. Nobody edited, but copywriting is the job of writing copy for a website, right? Like, obviously, they didn't hire copywriters, what I'm trying to say. Um, and it wasn't edited because there's typos everywhere. There's, it's just, it's so bad. And of course, like, things are selling. It's going to be super successful. But it's just stupid. And I think that Chelsea is, I don't know, I guess she's just trying to make as much money as she can, which, like, do I fault her for? No, like she's not on Teen Mom anymore. She has to make it up somewhere else. I think that she is not making a cohesive brand, which I think she could. As I've long said, I thought she could be um, like the Lauren Conrad of Teen Mom. And I do think she's finally like moving into that territory. But I think it's pretty clear that she's not going to be Lauren Conrad as far as like having a successful brand. I think she's just going to continue to like partner with things and like sell diff eyewear and like those itsy ritzy diaper bags and like this weird home good line where she sells blankets. Like I think that's going to be her course and I don't see her having like long-term longevity as far as like creating an actual brand that is hers because like the Laurie Bell stuff, she just has her name on like clothes that they sell at her friend's store, right? And I don't see Aubrey says actually becoming like a cohesive home goods line. And I think that if she worked a little harder, maybe, I don't really know what she would have to do to do this. But I feel like if she's going to partner with a brand or like try and do this, she should have been partnering with like a major company and like getting her line in uh, like home goods, <laughs> in home goods, in TJ Maxx, in Marshalls, and like getting her stuff in a store and having it be like cohesive and nice and something that you want and something that non-teen mom fans would buy. Like, I think that should be the goal, right? Like, to sell things that a person that is not a fan of teen mom that does not know who Chelsea DeBoer is would want to buy. Because at least as far as I can tell, I mean, I guess maybe people like those diaper bags because Itsy Ritzy is already like a designer diaper bag line, which fine, fair enough. 
But as far as like I can see, there is nothing on that website that anybody would buy if they didn't know. Like nobody would stumble upon that website and be like, oh my God, I should get this because it's just shit you get at Target. Like that's all that it is. There's nothing original on there. And I think that that is a shame. And maybe she should have like worked with like a brand manager or something. I'm sure they have people out there that help influencer do, influencers do this. I guess what I'm saying is like, I've seen so many influencer lines in the last however long have been influencers making their own lines, like eight years. And some of them are really cool and original. And you can like see that people would buy that stuff even if they didn't know who the person behind it was. And I don't think Chelsea is quite there yet. And I don't really see Chelsea ever getting there. Um, this whole Aubrey says thing kind of shows to me that she's not, she doesn't see that. Like she doesn't see what she should be aiming for, in my opinion, which I mean, I, I'm sure what she's just trying to do is make as much money as possible in as short as time as possible, which is also like not a bad idea. Like if that's your goal, like go get it. And like, this is the way to do it. And I would imagine that is her goal. But if your goal is to like actually have a long, like a long standing line that is going to exist, like after people don't care as much about you on Instagram, like this is not the way to do it. So let's get into the Teen Mom OG premiere right after a quick break. So we're back in Teen Mom world. Um, like there weren't any surprises, you know what I mean? Like we, we know where everyone is. There's never really surprises when it comes to Teen Mom. There are never any big like, oh my god, I can't believe that this is happening. I mean, I guess like every 10 years that happens. The show's been on for 10 years. But for the most part, I didn't think it was that bad. It was like a nice way to catch up with everyone. It started out, okay, here's what I don't need. <laughs> I do not need a reality TV show explaining COVID to me and quarantine to me and lockdown to me. I don't need that because here's the thing, like I am currently living it. <laughs> I am living it in the moment. I didn't live it last year. Like, I, we are in it in this moment. And I don't need them to, like, get on TV and be like, everything really shut down. And, like, these are safety protocols. Like, we get it. We're in a pandemic. The show does not have legs. Like, it's not going to last forever. It's not going to be a long-running fandom of Teen Mom. Like, people aren't going to be coming back to us in 30 years and being like, why is everybody acting like this? Like, that's so weird. Why didn't they explain what's going on? Like, I just really didn't find it to be necessary. Um, by the way, Teen Mom 2 is getting a second life now that it is on um, Netflix. And if you are here because you started watching Teen Mom 2 again and now you want to catch up on Teen Mom stuff, hi. Welcome. Um, I think Amanda from Amanda Loves to Hate Teen Mom has a, a lot of episodes recapping old Teen Mom 2 episodes. I think she did the whole Teen Mom 2 series. So if you want to hear recaps of that, I would definitely recommend Amanda from Amanda Loves to Hate Teen Mom, who I did an episode with last week. And if you go back through the 200 episodes that I've done, there are quite a few throwback episodes. Um, I mostly do current episodes and what's on TV, but every once in a while, there's no new episode and we get a throwback episode. So hi, welcome. A lot has changed. Um, I will say it's like kind of jarring that I'm getting Teen Mom stuff on my TikTok. 
I will say anytime I get a team on video, I select not interested on my TikTok. I just don't want it to live in my TikTok for you page. Like I don't want that as part of my TikTok algorithm. But it is interesting. Um, I think it's going to get, or it seems to be getting the early Team Mom 2 seasons at least, kind of a Jersey Shore revival. Like, did you know that Gen Z, like, really knows and loves Jersey Shore for whatever reason? I guess because it came out, like, what, in 2011 or 2012? So I guess kids that are, like, in their early 20s now were, like, just old enough to be watching reality television. So it was, like part of like how early seasons real world are for me and like so important to me I guess that's how Jersey Shore is to a lot of like young Gen Z people I guess older Gen Z people I don't really know like what the cutoff for Gen Z is or what we're calling people after Gen Z but I really it's really interesting to watch how much I like Jersey Shore at least based on TikTok and I think Teen Mom is kind of getting that a little bit. It's, I mean, there are a lot of like memeable moments in these early episodes, so I see why that's happening. And yeah, if you're here from Teen Mom 2, hello. I wonder if they're going to put more seasons on. I just found out, nobody told me that like original Road Rules Real World Challenge shows were on Netflix, some of them. So that I'll probably go back and watch. I have been petitioning for 10 full years that real world in every form every season needs to be made easily available via streaming it really is annoying to me that it's not and I really like the idea of road rules coming back and like via streaming not new episodes of road rules and early challenge seasons because that used to be my shit like I used to love that shit I always like real world better than road rules but I really love the real world road rules challenges so I'm going to go back and watch some of those I think but Yeah, I wonder if they're going to put more episodes of Teen Mom 2 up, if they're going to put OG episodes. I'm curious about, like, why Viacom made the choices that it made in regards to, like, what they decide to put up and why. I mean, I'm not, (laughs) I'm like, and why they went for Teen Mom 2, because Teen Mom 2 is a significantly better show than Teen Mom OG. It always has been, right? Like, they even, if you go back and read, like, the oral, oral history of Teen Mom OG... They talk about the fact that, like, Teen Mom 1, like, didn't get really popular until Teen Mom 2 kind of made it a phenomena. But I, phenomenon, not an uh, right? I don't know. But look at me. I'm so stupid. (laughs) I'm, like, telling Mackenzie McKee, like, don't speak on it unless you know what you're saying. But I don't know a lot of stuff. Um, Yeah, I'm a hypocrite. What have I always said? I'm nothing if not a hypocrite. (laughs) But I, like, I'm curious as to why they just put up two seasons. I wonder if it's, I've seen a lot of people on Reddit say that they then went on to get CBS All Access uh, subscriptions because I guess CBS All Access has all of the seasons because CBS and Viacom are one company. I think it's called CBS Viacom, but CBS might own Viacom. I don't know if it's like one owns the other. They're like a full on partners. Like they had a full merger. I think that's what happened. But I think a lot of that stuff. So I wonder if they're just trying to get people like hooked on Teen Mom 2. So you'll get a CBS All Access subscription to watch the rest of it. Maybe. I mean, I get. I guess you could do that. (laughs) 
But yeah, I'm curious to see if they're going to put up more seasons, if Teen Mom 2 is going to get more attention. I'm noticing that like on TikTok, a lot of the girls like Kale, I was looking at one of Kale's TikToks the other day because every comment on Reddit was like, this is disgusting. I fucking hate Kale, which is every comment on every one of her posts. Um, But all of the comments on Reddit or on TikTok were like, oh my God, you've come so far. I'm watching the new seasons or the old seasons on Netflix and I can't believe how much you've grown, etc. etc. So I think it's giving these girls a boost. So I mean I guess good for them, although they don't get royalties, which there's gonna have to be a reckoning, you know? There's gonna have to be some sort of reckoning in reality TV. Like imagine how fucking mad you would be. <laughs> I don't know. The way they exploit reality TV stars and crews, honestly, because crews aren't union either. There needs to be a reality TV union. Okay. So we get this like back and forth where we're like seeing everybody and then they get on, um, they get on Skype or like Zoom. So all four of five of them can talk and I don't need to see that. I don't need to see that. Somebody asked Amber about like seeing Leah and James and if it's easy to like get them together for visits and Amber's like, hon, I can't talk about that. I can't name certain names. (laughs) It's just so weird. It's such a weird dynamic. By the way, Caitlin, remember we talked about Caitlin had a miscarriage over Thanksgiving? She, like, gave an interview either last week or the week before. I can't exactly remember when. Saying that neither Macy or Amber reached out to her afterwards and she was, like, really hurt by it. And, look, is giving an interview about this the thing to do? No. No. No, it's not. But, like, I do get why she was hurt because I guess Cheyenne and Mackenzie both reached out and I think Caitlin is actually a good friend like you know we've seen her flying to support Amber multiple times when Mackenzie McKee's mom died she sent her like this really cute pretty angel statue like didn't put it on social media like sent it to her and Mackenzie randomly posted that Kate had sent it to her I think Kate really cares and she was really hurt that Macy and Amber didn't reach out. A lot of people on Reddit were like, well, maybe they just didn't see it because they're not on social media that much, which, like, I guess is possible. I personally would be shocked if Mackenzie doesn't have, like, a private Instagram that she uses because she doesn't really use her public Instagram, but I I feel like she's most likely on a private Instagram. I also think that they all keep up with T-Mom news. I do. I'm sorry. I think they all know what's going on with everybody else all of the time. I think the producers tell them. I think they read the Ashley. Like, I don't believe for a second that they don't know what's going on in their lives. And so I felt for Kate there. I don't think, like I said, I don't think doing an interview about it was a great choice. But I do get why she was hurt. Apparently, I guess Amber saw that and reached out. Look, like, Kate should have just said something to them and not done an interview. I saw a lot of people be like, Kate doesn't realize they're work friends. But for me, I'm like, if one of my work friends had a miscarriage, like, I would reach out to them. Like, that's just cold. I think that's just shitty. Like, if they knew and didn't reach out, I think that that's really shitty. But I mean, I guess it's possible they didn't know. I just don't know if I find that believable. Okay, so it starts with Amber, but let's e- let's go through Shy first because Cheyenne doesn't have a lot going on. We'll go through Shy first, just kind of get her out of the way. Basically, all that's going on is Cheyenne is back with Zach. Uh, we do get some like quick scenes of Corey. Now remember that Taylor is not 
on the show anymore because she got fired. I've seen a lot of people be like, why was Taylor fired and, like, Mackenzie McKees can still be on the show. And the reason that Taylor was fired, look, Taylor was fired because MTV, first of all, the tweets went viral. There's a, a multiple reasons why Taylor was fired. Even though she had already apologized on camera, she had been forgiven on camera, the tweets were known, what happened was that she found out, not she found out, those tweets went viral again in June, right? And also, like, an interaction she had on the show that, I guess she was on, I think, Are You the One? She must have been on the challenge, too, when she met Corey. I don't know, but on one of the other shows, she had altercations with a black cast member that, uh... I think people are saying we're racist. I don't totally know because I don't watch those shows and I didn't like closely follow that. But I think that with the tweets, plus at the time, it was an easy decision for MTV to fire her. I think that, is it fair that she got fired? Yes, because she, like, look, I know MTV knew about them. They allowed her to film. They had this whole storyline with her forgiving. But the reality is, is like she did tweet tweet those things and these are the consequences of it. But I don't think she was fired because like MTV is like, we can't have any racists on our television because that's clearly not true. She was fired because she was like an easy, she was an easy, I don't want to say scapegoat because I don't think that's really fair because I do think that like a scapegoat can imply that they didn't do anything wrong and I do think Taylor did something wrong. But I think she was like an easy person to be like, look, we did something because nobody really cares about Taylor. Her big consequence was that they didn't uh, film the or show the Mila's birth special thing that they had filmed. And now she's not on Teen Mom anymore. I think she was like a very easy cast member to sacrifice that MTV could be like, no, we care. Look, we did this. And I don't think MTV is so motivated to like fire other people. I think they had fired one more person at that time. But I think that was more like Taylor was just an easy person to get rid of. She was. Um, and so she's, I wouldn't be surprised if she comes back eventually, honestly. I think eventually they'll start filming her again, at least for Teen Mom. Like she'll be in the background and shit. So Cheyenne is back with Zach, which we know because she's currently pregnant by Zach. Um, She's having a boy, by the way. She named it, she announced this week she's naming the boy Ace Terrell Davis. Ace Terrell Davis, they're going to call him AD. I think it's cute. People on Reddit were losing their fucking minds over how stupid AD is. But like, I have a lot of friends that have name, like initial nicknames. In fact, like some of my high school friends still call me LB. So I... (laughs) I don't know that like I like initial nicknames. I Ace is becoming a lot more popular of a name. I do like the name Ace. I probably would just call him Ace, but I think AD is cute. I think Terrell is a really nice name. I guess it's Zach's middle name and his dad's first name. So I think that's really nice. I think Ace Terrell Davis is a nice name. <laughs> I'm cool with that. And if he doesn't want to go by AD, he can go by his perfectly normal name of Ace. So I don't know. People are giving her a lot of shit. And I personally think that Any name that wasn't aggressively white was going to get a lot of heat for Cheyenne. I think that naming, I saw a lot of people comment on Terrell and being like, ew, I hate that name. And it's like, "Eh, okay, Terrell is like a perfectly fine, normal name. Um, I, I do think that she's going to get a lot. I think unless she was naming that kid like James David, that she was getting heat for it. I do. 
So, and also she's like currently in Hawaii, which I want to talk about because this whole episode, she's talking about how serious she is about like taking COVID precautions and that if Ryder gets a fever, she could die. And she's like always talking about this in this episode and like how much, how many precautions they have to take because of Ryder. But like she doesn't. (laughs) seemed to take a lot of precautions and hasn't like since the summer I remember first seeing it one of her cousins like had their prom canceled so her family kind of threw her prom which like was cute in theory except there was like 20 people there and it was outside yeah but like none of them had masks on and since then Cheyenne hasn't really been keeping this seriously and I have a real problem with influencers in general and reality tv people who are not taking this seriously, but telling me that they are. I find it to be so aggravating people that are like, well, we all got tested because it's like, no, you didn't. Shut the fuck up. You didn't. And we're taking this so seriously, but you're not because I see you partying with people and I see you on vacation in Hawaii. Like you're clearly not taking it seriously. So stop telling me that you are. So her and Zach are back together and they think it's going to work this time because, well, apparently her and Zach have been dating on and off since she was 16, which she does say, like, he was there through my parents' divorce. He was there through Ryder being born. Like, I get it. They do have a long history. Um, I can see why she keeps going back to him. I kind of personally think that Zach is very into Cheyenne and Cheyenne is very into the idea of having another baby and getting married. And I think that she, even though she's young, right? Like she's 25 or 26. She's not that old. But I think for her, she's kind of like, well, Zach is willing to do it. And it didn't work out with Matt. And it didn't work out with Corey. And I want to have another baby and I want to be married and I want to be settled. So like, I'm gonna do it with Zach and it will be fine. And I think they probably will be like, I think they're going to get married. I I don't know if they're engaged or not, but I they're probably going to get married would be my guess and get married not too far in the future. And I think they'll probably be fine and they'll be mostly happy at least for a while. But I don't think that this is Cheyenne's first choice. <laughs> I think Cheyenne's just like, oh, well, you know, I tried it. It didn't work out with other people. So I'm just going to go back with Zach. Her family does seem happy about it. They're not like, girl, you're out of your fucking mind. Like, I think if her sister and her mom had been like, are you kidding me? Like, you know it's not going to work. I would be a little more judgmental. But they're just kind of like, oh, Zach's back? Okay. They seem pretty accepting of it and not like, what the fuck are you doing? Which I think is a good sign. Cheyenne does say like, and now that I figured things out with Corey, I'm ready to start dating again. And I'm like, you dated Matt for a whole year. Like, what are you talking about? Like, okay. Um, And her and Zach have this conversation about why it didn't work. And, you know, it didn't work because Cheyenne wanted to be with Corey. (laughs) Like, it's pretty simple as to why it didn't work. I guess, okay, my understanding is that she and Zach got together when she was pregnant. But, like, it was never believed that Zach was the father. I think that she had been dating somebody because I think, As she said, her and Zach have always just been on and off. So I think that from what I can understand is that she was kind she was dating someone. She slept with Corey. She assumed the baby was that someone, but they were not together. She got back with Zach, who was an on and off again boyfriend. And then when Corey came back into the picture, when Ryder was around a year old is when her and Zach started having problems because she thought she might want to be with Corey. 
I think that I get why Cheyenne did that. Like, I still get it. I still think that Corey's, like, such a scumbag for the way that he treated Cheyenne. I think it's so gross. I think that Corey knew he never wanted to be with Cheyenne. I think Corey very clearly knew that he was not interested in being in a relationship with Cheyenne. I think that he liked the attention that Cheyenne gave him. So he, like, played it up. And I think that he liked the idea of Cheyenne breaking up with Zach for him. So he basically convinced her to do that. He slept with her a couple of times. Then he's like, no, there's no feelings here. You know what this is about. I just think Corey's like such a scumbag in that. Like he's a real fuck boy, I think, is really the vibe that I get from him, especially considering he's like, I don't want a relationship. I don't want a relationship. And then like the minute Taylor was ready to get back with him, he's like in a full-blown relationship with Taylor. And I really felt for Cheyenne there. And I actually don't blame Zach for being like we can put that behind us I really don't because what happened with Corey and Cheyenne is very rare (laughs) you know like I don't think it's that common for a guy to find out at six months that the baby is his and then like really truly step up the way that Corey has and I don't even know if step up is the right word, but like become a full-time father the way that Corey has. We've seen like apparently since he found out like he is Ryder's father through and through. There was never a hesitation. Like as soon as it was confirmed, like he has been Ryder's dad and has never tried to like skirt his responsibilities as far as we can tell, as far as I remember. And so like I think that they were in such a unique position and I think Corey like loved Cheyenne's family. If you remember like Corey's from the Midwest, I believe. I think Wisconsin or Michigan. I think he's from Michigan. And Cheyenne's family's all in LA. Like, you guys know I love Cheyenne's family. I say that I don't think Cheyenne necessarily fits in on Teen Mom, but I would really like to see, like, a show with her and her family, I think, would be interesting. I really like her parents. I like her sister. I think they're all really personable and fun. So, like, I can see how Corey is like, okay, I have this baby. It's great. I am really excited to be a dad. And now I'm like, in LA, I have like this family. I think a lot of people who move to places like LA or New York, um, if they find like a family like that, they'll kind of cling to it because so many people are living like in those places. They're not living near their biological family. So he probably felt like really excited to be included and to have like family in LA. And he liked the attention that Cheyenne was giving him. And he they didn't really know their boundaries. And I don't know. I just like can understand. I don't think Zach is pathetic for getting back with Cheyenne, I guess is what I'm saying. Because like Cheyenne played him like she really did. Um, And like I said, I do think that Zach is like a, a backup plan for him. But I think that for her and I think that like I get though why Zach can be like we can move past this because it is such a unique situation what happened and it I don't it's understandable like I think he understands why Cheyenne was like I have to see if there's a chance for me to be with my child's father like I need to see if there's a chance for us to be a family because the best case scenario for Ryder is that her parents are together and happy in love right like I think we can all agree that like the the best case scenario is for a child to have two parents that are in a happy relationship and they live with both those parents. Now that's not possible for a lot of kids and they're great like obviously the best case scenario is like whatever makes each parent and their unique family situation happiest and best able to parent. But like I think in an ideal world like every kid would have two great parents that love them and they all live together and everybody's happy and I can understand why 
Cheyenne wanted to seek that out. And I can kind of understand why uh, Zach is like able to put that in the past. Like I, if I was Zach, I think I could be like, I get that this was a very weird and unique situation. And I get why you needed to figure it out. Like, I understand that. I think he also, like, willingly got with someone who was pregnant and, like, was having somebody else's baby. So already, like, there is, you know, some weird, like, he's there for her, but he's not Ryder's dad and he's not playing Ryder's dad. It didn't really seem like he was a father figure for Ryder. So I think Zach is, like, ready to put that behind them and move forward. And it does seem like they're happy. And so I'm happy for them. Like, I don't remember Zach being awful. I remember him being, like, kind of annoying. But I always felt like Cheyenne was, like, really not being great to him. Especially with the way that she was, like, clearly wanted to be with Corey and drop Zach for Corey. Like, I I felt for him there. But I don't remember ever being, like, yo, fuck Zach. Like, he's awful. Now, if I am forgetting something, you can let me know. But I don't know. I'm happy for them, you know? If that's if that's what it's going to be, and this is what Cheyenne wants, and Cheyenne wants to be married and have another baby and just be settled. So, like, good for her. I hope it works out for them. Okay. Let's go to Kate, who... Nothing happened in Kate's episode. <laughs> but it was actually kind of nice to watch. There just wasn't, like, that much to talk about. Um, she does say that Veda is obviously her child because Veda loves uh, pasta and breadsticks, which, like, yeah, I get that. Me too. My two favorite foods are pasta and breadsticks, honestly. <laughs> you know what the best breadsticks are? Target that has Pizza Hut in it. Their breadsticks are so fucking good. I love Target Pizza Hut breadsticks. So good. Oh, I love them. But they, you know, they're trying to decide if Veda should go back to school or not, or start school. Not Veda. Nova should go to school. She's going to be in kindergarten. And they're like, we <laughs> are not good at homeschooling her. And they decide to send her to school, which I get, you know, they made their choice. They were happy with the safety precautions that they felt like the school was taking. And they didn't feel like homeschooling was the best option for them. As I said, I think this summer I was really harsh on people that had the ability to keep their kids home, sending them to school because my thought was kind of like, you know, there are kids that like cannot be at home safely, right? Like there are a lot of kids that cannot be at home safely. Their parents still have to go into work or are working at home, but like cannot take care of them during the day. And they have to be able to go to school. So let's minimize the risk for them and the teachers. And the kids that can be kept home should be kept home. But I, I issued a mea culpa on that. I was wrong. Like, I am now seeing how really hard it is to... I mean, I was seeing it last spring, too. But I think with last spring that because everybody was home, you saw it was really hard. But, like, everybody was dealing with it. But once I saw, you know, my friends that were then making... I've had multiple friends decide that started with their kids at home that have since decided to send them back to school. Like, I get why they did it. I guess. So that's where like my I was wrong is and I get why Kate and Tyler decided to do that. Kate does mention that she wants to get a microbrading certificate. She's like, well, the vet tech school is two hours away, which is really far. <laughs> when she said that, I was like, oh, sh- shit, like two hours is really far. I think the reality is that Kate thought a vet tech was more like a 
like in a, I don't know. I think what Kate thought a vet tech was was probably what I thought a vet tech was, which I didn't really know what a vet tech was. I didn't realize that for vet tech, like you go to school for two years, you have to get your associates, that it's a really hard degree, that you basically have to learn everything about animals that come into the vet. So a lot of different a lot of different animals, that it's a lot of work and a lot of science. I didn't know this because why would I know this, right? Like, I don't know. I like animals, but I'm not like an an animal person and I don't have my own animals, so I don't take them to the vet. I don't know that much about vets in general. You know, that becoming a veterinarian is very hard, but I guess I just never thought about like what it takes to become a vet tech. And I think I thought it was more like, um, like a dental assistant, not like a dental hygienist, because I know that that's a lot of schooling. And, but like somebody that like could be trained on the job. Like I'm, like I'm a legal assistant. I'm not a paralegal. Um, usually you don't have to go to paralegal school. I think in some states you do. I believe in my state you do not have to go to paralegal school, but most paralegals go to paralegal school and to be a paralegal, but like to be a legal assistant, like I am, like you, you don't have to go to school because you're not a paralegal and you just get trained on the job and like you learn stuff, but it's not like an official thing that you have to get done. And I always saw vet tech positions like listed on Craigslist or LinkedIn or whatever, um, or Indeed for like low, low entry level salary, like 12 to $15 an hour. So I was like, oh, I just figured it was like a legal assistant is what I'm saying. And I think Kate probably did too. And when she figured it out, she didn't want to do it anymore. I think that she didn't want to come on TV and say, I actually don't think I'm smart enough or have the drive to go to vet tech school, which I think is the case. And I think that's fine to say. I don't have the drive to go to vet tech school. I couldn't do it. I'm not very good at science. It would not be good. I would not be good at it. But I think that's probably hard to admit on TV. Um, People criticize Kate a lot because she, like, gets different interests and, like, has them for a minute and then stops having them. I also don't think she, like, ever really thought about going to vet tech school. I think it was, like, a storyline. I think people forget that about a lot of the stuff like this that's discussed. It's because, like, they need something to talk about on this show. Where in real life, she probably would have been like, maybe I want to be a vet tech. And she would Google it. And then she'd be like, oh, no, I don't want to be a vet tech. But, like, because she's on Teen Mom, they have to, like, have her talk about it with Tyler and talk about it seriously and go meet a vet tech and, like, interview at the school and, like, do all that shit that makes her look a lot more serious about it. So when she drops it, she looks a lot flakier. Um, I kind of think that's what happened. But she said that she wants to do this microblading thing. And as we know, like, she went and did it. Kate's been looking pretty good lately. Um, she seems to enjoy what she's doing. She wants, she says there's no one in our area that does this. So I think that, you know, there's a good market for it. She already has, she has, like, name recognition because she's on this show. She's been looking a lot better. And by looking better, I mean, like, she is doing her hair and her makeup and, Look, I don't wear makeup, really. I wear makeup if I, like, am going out somewhere and, like, want to put on makeup. But even that, like, full glossier girl over here. Like, I need to be able to put it on with my hands. (laughs) Like, I'm not good at makeup. I'm not a heavy makeup person. So this is not me saying you have to wear makeup to look good. Please do not think I'm saying that. But what I'm saying is, like, I think that all of us with depression, like, or most of us with depression definitely understand, like, 
that when we are putting more effort into like our appearance, it's usually an indicator that we're feeling better about ourselves. And that looks different for everyone, right? Like that doesn't mean like you're wearing nice clothes and full makeup and hair every day. But like for some people, that means like they're caring more about this thing or this thing. And I think for Kate, her indicator is like caring more about like her hair and her makeup and her clothes. And I think that that seemingly has seemed a lot better lately. And it seems like she enjoys the microblading thing. And I do hope she sticks with it. I do because I think that Kate, I think that out of all of them, Kate has had maybe the hardest time. Well, maybe not out of all of them because Amber is a whole thing. (laughs) I would actually say Leah is kind of similar to this. I think Kate's had a hard time like figuring out who she is. And I think a big part of that is that Kate had such an abusive childhood and such an unstable childhood that she, like, I would imagine she was kind of like me. Like, I never had, like, dreams or goals really as a kid because, and that was, like, part of my mental health issues. And I think Kate was probably like that. But for me, like, I I eventually, like, had to figure out some shit because I had to grow up and I had to make money and I had to, like, make a life for myself. Um, But Kate never had to do that because of teen mom. And I think that she, I think that she's had a real hard time, like outside of being Tyler's wife and being a mom, like really figuring out what she wants to do and who she wants to be and like what kind of identity she wants to have. I also think because of like the Carly stuff, she was like made like the face of adoption in pop culture for quite a long time, which is not what she wants. And I think that I hope for Kate's sake that she like starts to figure it out. Speaking of that, um, as you guys know, I wrote a paper on Janelle last semester for my for one of my classes, and I didn't post it because it really is boring. It's like heavy theory based. Like it, I thought it was going to be less theory and it'd be more interesting for people to read, but like it's it's like talking about systems and it's not interesting. But um, I have the professor again this semester. She's my favorite professor so far. Like, I love, love, love her. I on purpose took her uh, this semester because I think she's so great. And last week we were in breakout groups and we came back in and I was like there early. And she was like, oh, Liz, I meant to ask you this before class, but can I use you as an example for something? And I was like, sure, I guess. Like, okay. (laughs) I like, she's so nice. I knew it wouldn't be anything like you know, anything bad, I knew it would be good. But she's, we were talking about, it's a research class and she is a, like, she she does research, hence why she's uh, teaching this class. But she was saying, like, you have to be open to new ideas. And she said, you know, Liz last semester wrote this paper about Janelle from Teen Mom, who I don't know anything. I don't watch reality TV. I don't have social media. And Liz wrote that Janelle is part of the 1%. And I put in the comments, like, I think you're being, you're exaggerating, which she did. Like she wrote, I, it was nice, but she was like, you shouldn't exaggerate, basically. Like, <laughs> You shouldn't say that, like, she has this much money when she doesn't. And she said, and Liz wrote me back an email, like, a really professional, nice email explaining to me, like, about Instagram influencing and how much money reality TV stars made and, like, how actually she has made millions of dollars. And I had no idea about this. And I had to, like, listen to what she was saying because she knew what she was talking about. And I learned something new. And so basically the idea was, like, you need to be uh, willing to listen to, like, people who know what they're talking about and change your preconceptions. And obviously that felt really good that she like used that as an example in class. But I also was like, Janelle lives to see another class. (laughs) 
who's so funny. Uh, like the I she had written like some things in the because I sent her some of my professors will like write comments when they're grading. And she had written some things like some of them were obviously like constructive criticism and some one she like wrote like can I actually she had like a legitimate question about something and she was like can you explain this to me and so I like wrote her back an email and I was like oh and by the way and I like wrote about how much money Janelle's made I was like she makes five hundred thousand dollars a season Instagram influencers can make like thirty thousand dollars an Instagram post (laughs) so yeah that was funny that was funny that Janelle from Teen Mom 2 lived to see another grad class Okay, so yeah, I hope that Kate finds something. I do. Um, I think that Tyler is like a lot more comfortable in himself and who he is. And I think Kate is still struggling to get there. Little Nova goes to school in the bus. It was very cute. It was raining, so she had her little umbrella. <laughs> very, very cute. Okay, let's talk about Macy, who... <sighs> Yo. What the fuck is up with Jen and Larry? (laughs) What the fuck, dude? What the fuck is wrong with them? How can Larry get on his fucking camera and say this stuff that he says against Macy? Are they stupid? Uh, It's mind-boggling to me. I can understand Mackenzie Edwards' denial of stuff, right? And I can understand Jen and Larry's denial of Ryan's disease. As I've said a million times, I have quite a lot of empathy for all of them, especially Jen and Larry, because I personally do not know a single addict whose parents did not enable them for years too long. I think that a lot of people who watch this show don't quite understand the dynamics of families that have an addict in them. I think that it's really, really hard to judge from the outside. And I think that, like, we need to have empathy for Jen and Larry because even though, like, they are enabling Ryan and they are wrong, I I get why they do it. And I think that when you are worried every day that your child could die um, and it's, like, a realistic worry, you make a lot of bad choices. I think that's just the fact. I also think that I've shared this before, like I've known people whose parents like immediately cut them off, immediately were like, this is done, we're over this, like you're not getting a single cent from me and did not enable them at all and they died. And I know people whose parents enabled them all the way and they died. So like, <laughs> what what's your solution? Like everybody dies, right? Like if you're an opiate addict, like you're probably going to die if you're actively using And I think that obviously like enabling is wrong, but I also think that it's very easy from an outside perspective to be like, you should stop enabling them. But when you are a parent and you are truly afraid that your child is going to die all of the time, um, you make choices that are irrational and not smart and are potentially harmful for them. Um, because like you're out of desperation. Like I, I really do believe that to be true. And I think that people watch us and want Jen and Larry to like stop enabling and stop doing this and stop doing that. And if they were in this position, they would do that, which like, please, this is what this whole fucking podcast is, right? Like me saying what people should do. Me knowing all, me knowing it all in (laughs) all over this show. So (laughs) for me to criticize, I know, as I said, hypocrite. But I really do think that Jen and Larry, in a lot of ways, deserve a lot more slack. I even think Mackenzie Edwards, in a lot of ways, deserves a lot more slack. But in this episode, I was like, these people are out of their fucking minds. (laughs) 
this is when it goes from enabling to like fucked up to me. Um, I mean, obviously all enabling is fucked up, but there's an enabling where you let your kid live there when you shouldn't, you give them money when you shouldn't. Um, but the enabling now that they're doing that involves like trashing Macy and allowing Ryan to think that his behavior as far as like being a parent is okay is really confusing to me. Um, they really are picking the wrong side. I would imagine that even though they love Bentley so, 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 so much, nobody is ever denying that, right? Like, the <laughs> Jen and Larry were Bentley's other parents his whole life. They had him every other weekend for most of his life. They love Bentley to the moon. The reality is now that Ryan has two other kids and also Hudson, who I believe they're very close with. So there are three other children here. And I think that they probably worry that if they upset Ryan and by extension Mackenzie, that they won't have access to the other kids. And I don't know if they're like consciously doing this, but I think that they're probably being a little more lenient, at least when it comes to like talking about Bentley with Ryan um, than they had been in the last couple of years. I mean, this has been an ongoing issue right throughout the years, but I feel like in the last couple of years, they've gotten a little better about it. And I think that they probably have swung back to the other side because they probably worry about having access to their grandchildren, which I can understand. Um, it's not great, but I, I like I I'm not saying I agree with it. And I'm not saying they should do it or that it's good. But what I'm saying is, like, I can understand making bad choices so that, like, you have access to your grandchildren. I I do. It's I'm not justifying it, but I, I guess I can understand why they're doing it, I say. So, basically, we find out it starts essentially with uh, Macy and Taylor talking about the Edwards and... Apparently, Bentley and Macy sat down with Jen and Larry, and Bentley said that he didn't want to see his dad unless they went to therapy together. I think that's really great. Um, I I think the thing is, is that Larry and Jen don't believe that Bentley really feels that way, which to an extent, I guess I can understand because like, what does an 11-year-old know about therapy, right? But like, I, I don't know. I think, well, the reason that I think that it's correct and that I believe Macy here is because Ryan's a fucking drug addict, an active drug addict who gets arrested and makes Bentley really scared and upset and isn't there for Bentley and has never been there for Bentley. So like when it comes to Bentley's wants and desires, when it comes to his dad, like I personally, do I think that Macy maybe suggested that he should go to therapy with his dad? Yeah. I don't think that Bentley like came up with that concept on his own but like I believe that that's what he wants and I don't think just because a kid didn't come up with something on their own doesn't mean that it's what they want like I I could believe that Macy was like well do you think that like you and your dad should go to therapy together and he was like yeah I do think that and that's what he wants and I think that's probably what happened um apparently they spoke about this months ago and nothing has happened since three months ago that's, I, I can understand, I guess, Ryan doesn't want to go, right? Because Ryan's a shithead. Because Ryan's still in active addiction. And even when he's on active addiction, he's a shithead from what we know. 
Um, but for Jen and Larry to act like this is outrageous, I guess this is where I bet they don't believe in therapy. And they, I think Jen and Larry just want to be able to see Bentley without rocking the boat at all. And now that that's not happening, they're upset with Macy. And I think that's a real shame because I think that they need to open their eyes and see that any kid wouldn't want to be around their dad when he acts this way. I think that Ryan is obviously still getting high or doing something. Ryan is not sober. If Ryan was sober, well, no, I don't want to say if Ryan was sober, he'd be doing this because let's be real. A lot of people get sober and they're still assholes and they don't do shit. But if Ryan was sober and he cared, he would be doing this. He would take the drug tests that he refuses to take. He would go to therapy. What's What would it hurt for him to sit in therapy with Bentley? You know, like, it, it's honestly asking for so little. And the fact that Ryan refuses to do it just tells me everything that I need to know. And even if Jen and Larry, like, think that it's bullshit, right? Like, fine, they're allowed to think that that's bullshit. And they're allowed to be like, I don't think Bentley really wants to do that. But wouldn't you think that they would encourage their child, Ryan, to do it anyway? Wouldn't wouldn't you think they'd be like, okay, well, we know it's bullshit. Like, we agree it's bullshit. But Bentley says that he wants to do that. This is what Macy's saying. Macy's the one that has full custody because they don't have a custody schedule. They never have. Macy is allowed to withhold Bentley as much as she wants. So you would think like, hey, look, we can all agree this is bullshit, but can you spend an hour a week sitting in therapy with your son if that means that you're going to get access to him? And a person that cared and wanted to would do that. And it doesn't really matter if Ryan's sober or not. Well, it matters if Ryan's sober because if Ryan's not sober, that means he is um, actively close to death right? Like, I I really worry, actually, about the fact that Ryan could die, and I don't really know what this podcast will look like if Ryan dies. Um, do I think Ryan is a good person? No. He's wearing that fucking Trump hat in the preview for next week. He's been posting wild QAnon bullshit on his podcast, his podcast, on his Instagram. Um, this is not, like, a def- I don't need to explain this. <laughs> you guys get it. But I don't really know what we would do if Ryan died. But I personally think that he's probably still an IV heroin user. I mean, I hope that he's not. I really hope that he's not. And it does matter if Ryan's not, if Ryan is sober or not. Or at least even if he's not sober, like even if he's still drinking all the time and smoking weed. Like, I'm not saying being an alcoholic is good, but the reality is, is most alcoholics live a while. Um, there are, some, I mean, there are some people that die from alcoholism-related illnesses quite young, but if he has shifted to be an alcoholic, like, at least he's not, like, one foot in the door or foot in the grave each day, which is what the reality of an IV heroin user is. Or even not an IV heroin user, if you're using any sort of street drugs, essentially, <laughs> in 2021. Like, if you are using any drug that you did not pick up from the pharmacy yourself, you should be carrying Narcan because fentanyl is in everything. It's in everything. Fentanyl is everywhere. Every single drug has fentanyl. If you do coke, you should be carrying Narcan because they're putting fentanyl in coke, which makes no fucking sense. 
because fentanyl is a downer and coke is not a downer, but it's everywhere. You should always have Narcan on you if you use any sort of uh, street drugs. A lot of the pills are fake now and filled with fentanyl. So many people are dying from Xanax that they thought was Xanax. That's actually fentanyl. You should get testing kits if you're doing pills. Um, a really, I saw a TikTok that like was really eye-opening where she was explaining to test the pill, like the only way to actually really test accurately a pill for fentanyl is if you like smush the whole thing up and test the powder because if you just scrape off a piece, it's possible that that piece of the pill doesn't have pressed fentanyl in it and it could be somewhere else in the pill. Like it's, it's really scary. So if Ryan is not sober, but what he's doing is like smoking weed and drinking, he's not taking pills, he's not doing anything else, like that is at least a better thing than if he is doing heroin, obviously. And I really worry about Ryan and I really worry about Ryan dying. I do. Whenever I think about it too hard, it kind of bugs me out a little bit um, because I think that people that aren't in this world, I guess, I just don't understand how many people die. Um, I think that, like, I have known so many people who have died. So many people who have died. So many people who have died. Like, an insane amount of people who have died. And I don't really see how Ryan doesn't end up as one of them if he's one of, if he's actively using, essentially, is what I'm saying. Um, And that would be really fucking sad. It would be really sad. He has two small kids, plus Bentley, plus a wife, plus a stepson, plus parents that love him more than anything. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know where I started with this. I remember saying something about it doesn't matter if he's sober or not. Oh, I think what I was saying is like, of course it matters if he's sober or not. But, like, if he wanted to be there, like, he could figure out a way to be there even if he was using. He would go to therapy with Bentley and he would go see Bentley at his parents' house because he's not allowed to have Bentley by himself unless he can pass a drug test. Ryan just doesn't care. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. Um, You know, we get this scene of Jen, Larry, Ryan, and Mackenzie talking. Mackenzie didn't say a word. Did you notice this? <laughs> Mackenzie's keeping her mouth shut on TV so far. And they are talking about the fact that the uh, order of protection is up. And Ryan is like, well, no, I'm not going to reach out to them because they lied on me once. And so they'll do it again if I reach out. Which to me, I'm like, did they? (laughs) I don't think they did. I don't think they did lie. I think that Ryan really threatened to put a bullet in Uh, Taylor said. I believe that to be true. And I think Larry knows that it's true too, because if you'll remember, like when it happened, Larry was like, well, you said some dumbass shit and this is a consequence of that. So Larry being like, well, you know, I haven't really understood in the past, but now that I understand that, like I understand that perspective. So it's a lot easier for me to get it. What he's saying is like, I didn't really understand why Ryan was so resistant to trying to talk to Macy again. But now I get it because he's worried that if he talks to Macy, she's going to lie about him and get an order of protection against him falsely. But Larry knows that Macy didn't lie. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just don't believe that Macy lied about that. I don't. I don't. I believe that Ryan said that. Wasn't it on fucking Twitter? Didn't he say some shit online? I can't remember all the details of it, but he was saying shit online. 
the Edwards fucking knew he did it. They knew he did it back then. And so now for Larry to be like, well, I get it a lot. I get that. I get that Ron just doesn't want to reach out. Like, just the bullshit that they're spewing about this on camera. Jen says that they haven't seen Bentley in a month, which, you know, I do think it'd be nice for Bentley to see them at least once a month. I think that that's like a normal amount for a kid to see his grandparents that he's close with. I think some people see their grandparents almost every day. Some people see them once a week. Some people see them once a month. Um, But I think for their close relationship, I understand why they would like to see him once a month. I think that is a reasonable ask. Um, Here's the thing. I think that Bentley, Bentley, I think that Macy allowed Jen and Larry to co-parent Bentley his entire life. And so I think that she, even if she doesn't really necessarily want to have to deal with it anymore, I think that she, she allowed this relationship to happen for so long. So like she's going to have to keep allowing it. But if they're not going to, you know, comply with her rules, I get it. I get it. Um, You know, Mac, I wrote down Mac is dead silent. Ryan says something which is very bizarre. He says, I'd love to see Bentley more, but she's always got some crisis and I'm just tired of it. What? What is he talking about? I found that to be a really weird line because out of everybody, I feel like Macy's never got a crisis. (laughs) I feel like Macy's life is very calm, very normal. Like that's something I would say about Amber or Kale or Janelle. Like, when he said that, I was like, what does that mean? I'm pretty sure what he meant is that every time he tries to talk to Macy, uh, Macy is like, you're fucking using, you can't see our kid unless you do these reasonable things that I'm asking of you. I think he's trying to spin that and flip that as her, like, she's always got a crisis. She always wants something. But really, he's like, can I see Bentley at my house? And she's like, well, did you take the drug test? And he said, no. And she said, well, then no, you can't. And to Ryan, he's like, she's always got a crisis. I think crisis is a very weird use of words here. I was, I was really surprised by that. I don't, there's no, look, we don't know what happens in their day to day, right? But like, there is absolutely no evidence at all that Macy always has a crisis. <laughs> I don't, I found that to be very weird. Um, Larry says, you know, sometimes it's easy to convince children or bend their minds how you want it. I don't know what goes on over there. <sighs> That's fucked up. That's fucked up. Look, I know they're on reality TV shows. So the point of this reality TV show was for them to like talk shit about each other on TV. But like, if I was Macy, <laughs> I'd be so fucking mad if I saw that. I'd be so mad. Like, stop trying to get, like, if I was Macy, I'd feel like I was being gaslit because they're acting like it's unreasonable that Bentley would want to go to therapy with his father, who has been an active heroin user for the last five years of his life, at least. Like, they're acting like that's an insane ask or that it's an insane ask that Macy won't let Bentley be over there unsupervised if Ryan won't pass a drug test. Like, She's asking for so little, which is like, I don't think Macy is some perfect person. I've ripped into Macy a million times on here, right? Like, I think Macy drinks too much. I think all that shit with Bentley and wrestling last year was weird. Like, Macy is not perfect. She's not perfect at all. This is not me saying Macy is perfect. But Macy's asking for so little from Ryan. And the fact that Ryan can't see that is one thing. But the fact that the Edwards can't see that is really... It's disturbing to me that the Edwards don't see that because it, it it's just so obvious. 
Um, so then Macy and Bentley have a conversation, which I honestly thought was like a little hard to follow. They go outside and, you know, she's like, well, have your dad or uh, Jen and Larry, your grandparents, I guess she probably said, like, talk to you at all about like therapy. And he's like, no. And she said, do you think they've been respecting what you've said? And he said, no. And then she says something like, it's easier or he says something like it's easier not to tell them again and then she's like buddy don't you think that'll make you angrier and he's like well I don't know I don't know I actually rewound it so I could re-listen to that but I was a little confused as to what that part of the conversation was but I'm assuming I mean my under my takeaway of the entire conversation was that they still have not tried to set up a therapy appointment and that Bentley is frustrated because he asked for what he wanted and they're not respecting his decisions and they're not respecting his choices and Macy says okay well do you want me to set up the therapy appointment and we'll just like give them the time and hope that they come (laughs) and Bentley says yeah so Macy's like going above and well not she's not going above and beyond because the reality is is like Bentley is her son and Ryan is his dad and it's not fair that she needs to do any of this but like as I've said a million times on here like it's parenting shouldn't be about what's fair, right? Like, if we looked at everything and what's fair, kids would get hurt a lot if we just went by what's fair to a parent. And I think that Macy is really doing what she needs to be doing. Like, when she offers to set up the therapy appointment, I think that's really big of her, and I commend her for that. And it really makes me sad for Bentley that he doesn't get he doesn't have anybody on his dad's side of the family, like, trying to fix this situation. And there is a moment in the episode where Macy and Taylor say, well, you know, when's the last time he even said he missed his dad? But I think that's because he's, like, an 11-year-old boy. And how often are they yelling about missing their parents, you know? Like, I, I just think it's I think it's sad. And they also say, like, he, he really loves his little siblings, which I believe, like, I think he really loves Hudson and he really loves Jagger and he really loves Stella and he's like very close with uh Jaden Maverick and I think he really understands that like those are my siblings and I'm not getting to be around them and I think that even more sad than Ryan and Bentley which I think will cause probably a lot of issues in Bentley's life just like any child that has a parent that's an addict or a parent that's absent um obviously it's going to cause issues but I think even sadder than that is like Bentley not getting to have a relationship he deserves to have with his siblings and I I at least I appreciate that Macy like acknowledges all of this and is also like proactive and trying to fix it as much as she can and I I think that says a lot about her I do I think that says a lot about like what she's willing to do to help Bentley okay let's go to Mackenzie <laughs> I was actually laughing out loud over this. I honestly found Mackenzie's segment to be so fucking funny. So this is filmed in the aftermath of Mackenzie getting on Twitter and saying that Josh was fucking her cousin. If you'll remember, she said that like while her mom was dying, they had sent each other 1,000 texts or something, some insane number that basically number that indicated that they talked all the time, that they had met up with one another um, basically, you know, just accused her cousin of fucking her husband and how she was over it. And she's like, <laughs> she says, our relationship has always been up and down. And I've always shared our personal issues with the tabloids. <laughs> what the fuck? 
it's so funny how they're framing this. Like, (laughs) what does that mean? Like, I know what that means, but like, I don't know. It's just so silly. You'd think that they would be like, what she should have said was like, and I always... Josh and I have had a lot of drama, and I tend to freak out and post about it on Twitter so it gets out everywhere. But just the way they're having her say, like, and I always talk to the tabloids is so funny, even though I guess it's true. She says she assumed the worst and posted on social media, and it was a huge mistake because it wasn't true. She's like, I really damaged Josh's reputation, and I feel horrible about it. (sighs) Here's the thing. Did Mackenzie damage Josh's reputation. No. (laughs) You know, by the time this cousin thing came out, like we had watched that whole season of uh, Josh being despicable to her as her mother died. Uh, We watched her say that she wanted to kill herself and Josh said, I'm not dealing with this and physically walking away from her as she said that. We have watched Josh be a total asshole to her. We watched Josh cheat on her. And this is just in, what, the two seasons that she's been back on the show? Has it even been two full seasons? I can't remember, but she has not been back on the show that long. And we've watched Josh repeatedly humiliate her. And not just the stuff that we've seen on Teen Mom OG. For those of us that have been following them since 16 and pregnant, like, Josh stays humiliating Mackenzie. So, like... To say that Mackenzie has ruined his reputation is wild and that, like, Mackenzie is the reason that they can't be together because of her, like, tweeting is really nutso. Um, (laughs) The fact that Josh is able to, like, pin all of their problems on that is very silly to me. Um, And the fact that Mackenzie is giving into it is sad. It's honestly sad watching her, like, grovel to him. I also don't believe look maybe Josh and the cousin like didn't hook up but like here's the thing if you're my husband and you're talking to my cousin that much and even like physically meeting up with her and I don't know about it like I don't really care if you fucked or not like that's inappropriate like if we're together and you are all day long texting with somebody else and like I have no idea that you're even talking to them like that's a problem. I'm really not a person that's very jealous. I'm not the type of person that wants to look through somebody's phone. Like, that's really not my MO. But I do think that, like, if you are in a marriage with someone and you spend most of your day talking to another person and you do it to a level that, like, you purposely make it so that your spouse doesn't know, like, does it really matter if you're having sex or not? Like, a boundary still being crossed like it's still inappropriate especially when it's with her cousin (laughs) like like if it's just your bro like whatever even like even if it's not even if it's a woman and it but it's like your high school best friend or like somebody that you trust them with like that's fine but when you already have trust issues and like if I found out that like anybody I knew like I knew was talking to my cousin like all of the time I'd be like what the fuck? (laughs) You're doing what? Like, even, so, (laughs) like, I'm trying to, like, if Julia found out that her husband had been texting me, like, thousands of times and that we met up without her knowing, like, it would be, she'd be rightfully mad. That would be inappropriate. And I say this, like, we, 
I mean, they've been together since we were really young and like we were friends with him before they even got together. So like I've known her husband since we were, I think, 14 or 15. And we are like friends, the two of us on our own. And like when Julie is at work, like we hang out together, like we get along very well. But like there's still an appropriate boundary there because 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 he's a married person and that's my cousin's husband. And like if it would be it would still be inappropriate if she found out that he and I were texting a thousand times in a month and that we had met up and we just never told her. It's the secrecy of it. Right. Like. It's the secrecy of it all. And so it doesn't really matter what happened. What matters is the secrecy of it. It's just wrong. It's fucked up. And the fact that she's trying to walk back really bothers me. Like, stand in your truth, Mackenzie. Stop letting him convince you of this. So we get a couple of scenes of her trying to call Josh to talk about it. And he'll, like, pick up and he's like, what do you want? And she's like, I I just want to talk about us. I want to talk about our intentions. And he's like, well, what do you want to talk about? And she's like well, do you want our family or not? And he's like, there is no family and hangs up the phone. (laughs) It's fucked up, but it's funny. Uh, Mackenzie just keeps like telling us over and over again that it's unfair that Josh is mad because he just looks like the asshole and she looks perfect. But the thing is like, to me, Mackenzie doesn't come across as perfect. Like, I don't see that narrative. Like, Mackenzie to me, I I mean... I started this podcast talking about how much I fucking hate Mackenzie, right? Like, Mackenzie's a lot of issues. I don't think Mackenzie's some sort of perfect wife. Like, she does tweet all of their business. She does give interviews about her business, like, that she should not be doing. She plays her part in all of this shit, but the reality is, is that, like, she is in a relationship with a husband that does not love her. (laughs) That, in fact, seems to hate her. And so he is, of course, going to come off worse when he is the one that doesn't seem to have a job and she's fully supporting them when he is the one that is cheating on her when he's the one with all of the secrets like it's it's just fucked up it's fucked up that like she is trying to convince us like I guess what I'm trying to say is like Mackenzie you don't look blameless but Josh is an asshole so we think he's an asshole and he looks like an asshole And, you know, in this episode, she talks to her dad and she's like, I just think we're done. And he's like, well, you and your mom, your mom and I just would always say they're just perfect. They're a perfect match, but they like can't get it together. And I'm like, are they a perfect match? Like what, what makes them a perfect match? (laughs) I guess because like we know nothing about Josh's personality. So whenever they say stuff like that, I'm like, is that right? (laughs) I'm not so sure I believe that one personally that it just doesn't really track to me so her annoying ass sister comes over and Mackenzie's like the marriage is done and her sister's like what (laughs) girl you saw the tweets (laughs) why are you so surprised why is her family always shocked when she's like I'm getting a divorce like how many times can she say it before they stop being surprised and I will say like her dad while he was saying, like, you know, I think you're really good together, he was, like, the cycle has to stop. Like, it only stops if you stop it. And when Mackenzie's, like, I think to her sister, she's, like, I think he's going to serve me with divorce papers. And she was crying, like, and mom's not even here and she'd be so upset. And I will say her sister was, like, no, mom would be really proud of you. Mom would be, like, standing by your side helping you get through this, which I do believe that to be true. I do. I... 
look, Ange had a million issues. I've talked about all of her issues, especially when it came to the way that she spoke about Josh and Mackenzie. I, I really do. I do think, though, a big part of the reason that her family acts the way they do is because they've been watching her be on and off with this person for 15 years, right? So, like, when... <laughs> I think the reason they encourage her to stay, just stay with him is because they break up all the time, but then she's miserable and wants to get back together with him. So I think from their perspective, they're like, just make it work. Like, because if I support you now leaving, I know in two weeks you're going to be crying to me that you want to be back with him. So I'm just going to encourage you to stay. I'm not saying that's correct and that's like the right advice that you should be giving. I'm not saying I agree with that, but I do think that like a lot of that context got left out of this show. And I personally do believe if Mackenzie went to Angie when she was alive and said, I am divorcing Josh. This is what I'm doing. There's no coming back from this. I have filed papers. I have a lawyer. Like I have kicked him out. I bought my own house. Like we are getting a divorce. I do think Angie would have supported her through that. I do. I think that Angie was... I mean, obviously, she was just so unnecessarily harsh on Mackenzie. I think that, like, what her family sees is the wishy-washiness. So they try and encourage the route that they want instead of the route that they don't want. And the route is that they want them to still be together and be married. Which, like, for me is hard to understand or see. But that was what they wanted. Um, So I do understand that, like, when you have somebody in your life that, like, swings back and forth all of the time, eventually you just start encouraging one way or the other. And I think her family stuck to the stay together way. Um, but I do think like if Mackenzie would have finally just been like absolute in her decision, I, I do think her mom would support her. But as we see, like she's not even absolute in her decision here. Like her and Josh get back together. <laughs> Josh is in Florida with them. Okay, let's wrap it up with Amber who is having some fun drama. So we find, as she says, she's no longer dating her son's dad. She's not even allowed to say Andrew's name, I guess, on camera. I don't know if she's allowed to say James. Um, she's seen him. Oh, yeah, I guess she does see his name. She sells a year and a half left on probation. She sees James two to three times a week. She brings him over to Gary's lot so that he can see Leah, which is good. Um, and Amber says that her and Dimitri are, like, talking, but he's, like, extremely possessive and jealous. And he hasn't been able to come to America and since COVID. So it's been about seven months since they've seen each other. And basically she just seems over the Dimitri of it all. We get a scene of um, Dimitri and Amber on FaceTime and she like gets a text and he's like, who's that? Who's that text from? Is that your man? And she's like, what the fuck? It's my daughter. And basically Dimitri just seems like a controlling asshole. When she mentions this and like the little girl's zoom they're having they're like amber don't fall into your patterns again <laughs> god i love how they always talk about amber being in controlling relationships and they like don't mention that amber is often the controlling one in relationships amber always being seen as the victim in teen mom world is infuriating right so we get to the drama what's causing the drama now Gary and Christina, we get a scene of Gary and Christina outside talking, and Gary is like, I think I'm going to swing by Amber's house tomorrow and help her. And Christina's kind of like, oh, well, she's lucky you have her. You've been, you've been there a lot. We find out that Gary's been at Amber's house every day that week without Leah, helping her with her car, medicine, groceries. And Christina kind of laughs, and she's like, she's like your second wife. It's a 
jovial conversation. They are not, there's really no bitterness. Like, Christina isn't even really being passive aggressive here. Like, I guess a little bit, but she's not being like, <laughs> she's like your second wife. She's like, oh, she's like your second wife. Like, it, she doesn't seem upset over it. Like, there, this is not like, I want to make sure that the tone is clear in this conversation because it's really not like an attack on Amber at all, at all. It's just kind of an explanation. It's it's like they're trying to explain what's happening to us. Obviously, that's the point of this conversation. But it's really not like them be. It's not like Christina's like, and you're over there every every fucking day. You're like, she's like your second wife. Go, why don't you go fuck her? She's like your second wife. Like it's not like that at all. It's actually the exact opposite of that. They're speaking pretty highly of Amber in this. They are like saying how it's best for them to help her. There's really no bitterness or anger here. And um, Gary's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, she has nobody else. We have to help her. And Christina's like, you know, like, I'm really glad that Amber has you because she needs help. And like, that's why, like, Christina's being very generous in this conversation. And and Gary says, or I don't know if Gary says this or Christina says this, but it's said, like, if Amber's healthy, Leah's healthier, too. I think Gary says that. Basically, which has always been their thing, right? Like, at least for the last five-ish years. Like, they are on Amber's side because being on Amber's side is what helps Leah. And, like, being supportive of Amber ends up, like, when Amber is healthy and doing well, that's good for Leah. So if they can help Amber be healthy and do well, they're only helping Leah in the end. I understand their motivation. I think that they're right about that. Like, I don't think that they're wrong. And I think that's why Christina allows all of this. And at least on camera, she doesn't seem upset about it. So Christina's laughing and she says, you know, I think we're both a believer that our kids come first, but Amber has become like our teenage daughter. Look, is that the best thing to say? No, it's not. But it's like, it's not like, it's just such not a big deal, except for the fact that Amber is unwell, right? Like Amber is a person that has very little control over her emotions. Um, as we know, like her mental health issues are very much not in check. She doesn't, as far as we know, seem to be in any sort of treatment for them besides being on medicine. Um, she doesn't seem proactive in trying to fix her responses. And if there's something that we know about Amber is that, and I think this is a result of her borderline personality disorder, which is why like it's not like I'm slamming her for this. Like, I understand why Amber is this way, but it is hard to watch because you just, like, it. you just want Amber to try and help herself, right? Like, you want her to try and get help. And the thing is, Amber is extremely defensive. Someone posted on Reddit something about, like, the fact that V and Joe call Kale their crazy cousin, and Kale laughs at it. And, like, Amber is very angry by them calling her her teenage, their teenage daughter. Now, there is a difference between saying, like, a crazy cousin because a cousin implies somebody that you're not taking care of. A daughter is somebody that you have to take care of, right? Like, that's your child. So, I, they are different comparisons, but I've I've always said that I think that Kale has a lot of self-awareness and hindsight. I think when Kale's in a good mood, she can really laugh at herself. I think that Kale sees a lot of her mistakes. Her issue is that she's incredibly impulsive and has no ability to actually correct any of those mistakes and she's addicted to this 
dysfunction and the chaos, so she continues to make them. But the reason that her podcasts are enjoyable to people that are not me, but sometimes I'll listen if there's big drama and they're listenable, is because Kale is able to laugh at herself and she has a sense of humor about herself. And even like she can, you can insult Kale and then like, Once she calms down about it later, she can be like, that was funny. Like, she gets it. Like, she can, she'll be like, yeah, I fucked up there. And they'll talk about it and they'll laugh about it. And I think that's how V and Kale are able to have a good relationship. Unfortunately, Amber, um, I don't even know if it's all because of her, like, personality disorders. Like, I, I think part of this is probably just her perspective on the world and her personality. Although, like, I don't know what's not affected by that. But I do think that, like, Amber just has no sense of humor in general. I don't think Amber is a person that's funny. <laughs> like, I don't think Amber likes to laugh a lot. Um, I don't think Amber finds many things funny. I also think that she has absolutely no sense of humor about herself. And I think that she's always on the defense. I think the defense stuff is the result of the borderline personality disorder, but I don't think that the humor about herself necessarily is. I think that's just who she is and how she is. And so because she has no sense of humor about herself at all, Amber is never really able to look back and laugh at things, if you've noticed. Like, I, on this podcast, talk a lot about my past, right? But like, you hear me laughing about it, like how fucking stupid I was about so much stuff and like how like the choices I made are absolutely unhinged in a lot of cases. And I almost feel like I'm watching a movie sometimes when I talk about or like think about things that I did in the past because it feels so far removed for me. So and I can like laugh at it. And even stuff that like didn't happen that long ago, like I can laugh at because I have a sense of humor about myself. And I think that Amber just doesn't have that. So instead of her being able to like, kind of like be like, haha, okay, that's funny. Like, whatever, but haha, I was being, like, really demanding then. I think that she automatically goes on the defense, and when that happens, she starts to attack. So, Amber was really mad about this scene. Really mad about it. She went on her Snapchat. Remember, I've been commending her for not being on social media, because we know that Amber and social media do not mix. She started popping up again on Snapchat. Snapchat seems to be her platform of choice, which... It's probably a good idea for her. I'm sure she has, like, I mean, actually, I don't know for sure, but I would bet she has DMs turned off from people, which I know you can do on Instagram, but I think on Snapchat, like, it's a, she's a lot less accessible to other people. I think on Snapchat, it's a lot easier to just, like, post your shit. It disappears quickly. Like, nobody, obviously, people can record it and then post it on Instagram, but there's not, like, a back and forth, which I think is what she likes, and it's probably good for her. But she gets on her Snapchat And she's fucking mad about this scene. She's like, oh, really? I'm your teenage daughter? She calls Gary and Christina both two-faced. She says that Gary and Christina needed $7,500 and she gave it to them. And it was like, and it wasn't child support. She also says that Christina said that she needed a job. So she paid Christina $500 to clean her house. And basically was just like, they're fake. Fuck them. I fucking hate them. Like, classic Amber back on social media. Now. Do I believe that they needed $7,500 from Amber? Maybe. I don't know. I don't really see why Amber would have significantly more money than them. Uh, If anything, I would imagine Gary and Christine would have more money than her because Gary gets paid the same amount of money as Amber does for this show. They're in every episode. Christina gets a paycheck. Um, 
I guess I think Leah gets a paycheck, which I would imagine Gary gets. And, you know, they have some rental properties, like, and they don't live nearly as lavishly as Amber, who is by herself, has to pay a shit ton of money in child support. Like, I think that Amber would have less money than Gary and Christina, honestly. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know anybody's finances, unfortunately. I don't have access to their uh, taxes, which is not fair. As I've said, like, I should have access to everybody's tax returns, but I unfortunately don't. So do I think that Amber lent them $7,500 that wasn't child support? No, I kind of bet she was in her rant and said I just gave them $7,500 and then was like, heard what she was saying and was like, it's not child support because she knew people would be like, it's child support. So she just lied. Also, it's about like, is any of this true? I don't know. Did she give them, did Christina say she needed a job? And so she got $500 for cleaning Amber's house. Like, I don't know if I believe that. Maybe that's true. I feel like if Christina needed a job, she could just like get a job somewhere. Like, I mean, I guess it is a pandemic and COVID, but like Christina could be a receptionist somewhere, right? Like, none of it really makes sense what Amber's saying. Um, also, like, even if she did, even if they needed $7,500 and she did give it to them, like, it's still shitty to throw in their face. And I get what she's saying. What she's saying is, like, you actually don't need to take care of me. Like, I take care of you because I give you money. But I just think, like, she, the fact that she couldn't just laugh that comment off just kind of, like, shows everything that's wrong with Amber. You know, like, I I really wish she would get the help that she needs. So, like, when something like that comes up, she could just be like... Uh, okay, I'm their teenage daughter, sure. Um, but she can't. And she has to get online and say it. And she knows. She knows that she shouldn't be saying this. And that's why she always is, like, getting off social media. Because she knows that it doesn't actually help her. So Gary responded to it, I actually thought, in a pretty good way. Uh, because this is, she was essentially just going off at Christina. Because Christina was the one that said it. So Gary responded with, he left a comment somewhere. He said, my wife is amazing. I love her deeply. Christine, at Christina Shirley. I'm very glad you're in me and our kids' lives. And I know we're together. And I know we together would put up with an infinite amount of Amber's. This is not written well. <laughs> I know together we would put up with an infinite amount of Amber's bullshit is the word he's missing here, for the sake of Leah. But I also want to apologize to Christina Shirley for having to deal with all of this. She's a sweet, she is a sweet, caring being and my best friend. I'm also very thankful for everyone here who has seen through some of the BS. We will be taking a step back and trying to see where to go from here. While trying to keep putting Leah's best interest first, for a while now, that was co-parenting, but I don't know how we do it anymore. I'm trying not to get into the fine details of everything, trying to have some class. Again, thank you for all the support. Which I think was actually a good response. I liked that he stuck up for Christina. Honestly, I, I like when a husband sticks up for their wife. Like, I think that's nice. I think that he's right, that it's not fair that Christina's the one that's getting Gary, or Amber's wrath here. Because if the worst thing that Christina's ever done is say that Amber's, like, their teenage daughter, <laughs> after everything they've been through, if that's the worst thing that Christina's done to Amber, like, that's pretty fucking good. Uh, some people were like, do you think this means he's leaving the show? No. Guys, I would be shocked 
if Gary and Christina left this show before, like, Amber gets fired. I do not see them leaving the show unless Amber is fired and they're not on the show anymore, or Amber leaves and they're not on the show anymore. I can't imagine them giving up this paycheck. Also, like, Gary and Christina, for them being on this show is pretty fucking easy. MTV just comes to their house, they film them talking, like, even if they're not on the show, they still have to fucking deal with Amber. (laughs) So at least be on the show and get paid for it, right? So this pissed Amber off a lot. Um, You can see her response. I posted the original video, Gary's response in the comment, and then the response video that Amber posted this morning about this. Um, In the original one, she's doing this like, sweetheart, (laughs) you want to talk about this sweetheart? Like that tone that honestly is so unnerving to me. Like it's almost scarier than Amber screaming. It's just, it's freaky when she does that. (laughs) Honestly, really, it really freaks me out. But to me, she didn't really sound fucked up. Some people said she sounded high. To me, she just sounded more hyped up. And I think sometimes when she's like really in a state, it can be hard to tell if she's high or not. But in the video she posted this morning, she sounds, she's slurring. I don't know what's making her slur. I honestly sounds drunk is how it sounds. Um, That it could be pills, you know, it could be anything. But she's absolutely slurring. And she's like, oh, you want to talk about respecting your wife? Okay, she starts off by calling them fucking homewreckers, which, if you guys will remember, Gary and Christina got together when Christina was still married, and any time that Amber wants to come at Christina for something, she brings this up. That's, like, her go-to thing, which I always think is very funny, because it's like, you mean to tell me that Amber has never been involved in a situation where somebody was cheating or she was never cheating? I find that hard to believe. Um, Basically, she says, like, (laughs) she says to Gary, like, you think... Like, you want me to talk about all of the times that you call me and talk about how you want to fuck me and ask me if I miss Big Daddy and the, I know, gross, in the time that, she talks about this time that he came over and I guess, like, a producer walked in on them, her lying on top of him. Basically, she's like, you pulled me on top of you and the producer saw it. Look, do I think that Amber is telling the truth here? Halfway. I think when I heard that Gary was going to Amber's house every day and not even bringing Leah, I was like, oh, Gary and Amber are fucking like Gary and Amber fuck. We know that Amber is like addicted to love and she said that she's addicted to sex and she has been alone for many months. Um, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if Gary and Amber have had sex periodically throughout the years since she's been out of prison. Um, We know that Gary doesn't care about cheating. Gary's a cheater too. And I think that I don't know. I think that Gary and Amber were having sex. Like, when I heard that, I was like, oh, they're hooking up. So I think Amber's telling the truth in the fact that Gary comes on to her. I think what she's leaving out is that she fucks Gary. (laughs) I think she's aware that that won't make her look good and that the audience does like Christina. (laughs) So she's, like, not going to include that part. So I think Amber's, like, telling half the truth. I definitely think that there is stuff going on. I think if that's the case, uh, Christina won't leave her do anything. I think Christina's a oh, pushover, honestly. I don't really see Christina leaving Gary ever. Um, I hope that that's not true, and I hope that's not the case for Christina's sake, but I personally believe that to be true. Gary's gross, right? Like, I can definitely see Gary fucking Amber behind Christina's back, or if not fucking calling and, like, being inappropriate with Amber, and I think they've always had that weird inappropriate relationship. I would bet that that's never gone away. 
ever. Like, I, I really believe that to be true. And I just wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened. So now Amber's laying it all out on social media. I think if Gary's smart, he won't reply at all. Um, I think that he will just, like, not give this any more oxygen. Because the, all you can say is that's not true. But the more you say, like, that's not true, the less believable you seem, in my opinion. So, like, I definitely think he'll be better off just, like, not commenting on this at all. And I think that um, Amber needs to get off social media again. I think that her life is significantly better when she's not on there. She also, like, followed this up with talking about Hollywood gossip. But I think she specifically meant, like, a website Hollywood gossip or an Instagram account. And she was like, you need to stop talking about people with mental illness. Have you learned nothing from Anthony Bourdain? Have you learned nothing from Chester Benningfield? Is that his name from Lincoln Park? Is that where he's from? Um, have you learned nothing about Robin Williams? Like, you need to stop pushing mentally ill celebrities. Now, let's talk about this. I don't really understand why she, uh, like, she listed famous people who killed themselves, but none of them killed themselves because of, like, the tabloids. I don't really know much about the Lincoln Park guy, but, like, Anthony Bourdain, like, wasn't going through a scandal, you know, like, as far as I remember, like, he just had suicidal depression and unfortunately was able to complete suicide. Really fucking sad. It's, I still can't believe that he's dead, honestly. Sometimes I, like, remember that Anthony Bourdain completed suicide and I feel, it It feels shocking. It's just so sad. It's, oh, it's so sad. But, like, I, he wasn't, he didn't do that because there was, like, a big scandal. Um, and then, like, like I said, I don't really know about that Lincoln Park guy, but I don't think that was the case either. And Robin Williams, that wasn't the case at all. Robin Williams got diagnosed with a degenerative illness and he also had depression and decided that the only, that he would rather take his own life than deal with that, um, which is in extremely sad. But, like, he didn't take his life because of gossip because of Hollywood gossip. I also think that it's really um, fucked up to, like, get on a platform and basically say, like, if you talk about me, I'm going to kill myself and it's going to be your fault, which is basically what she's saying. I think that, once again, I think Amber is very unwell. So I don't, I, I get why she's doing this. I also know that people with borderline personality disorder, unfortunately, have a really high rate of suicide as far as people with mental illnesses. And also, like, Amber has a history of suicide attempts. And the number one indicator that you will complete suicide is that you've had suicide attempts. I've talked about this for years, right? Like, since this podcast talked about started, I've talked about the fact that, like, I worry about Amber and her safety. Like, I really, really do. Um, but at the same time, like, you don't get to be a person that makes money by putting your life on display and then nobody talks about you. It's just not how it works. Like it's it's just not reality. Like if you want to be paid $500,000 a season to have your life on display, then like part of the reason you make such an ungodly amount of money for the amount of work that you're putting out is because people want to talk about you and because people do talk about you. And I find this to be happen 
a lot with like influencers and reality TV people where they're just like exasperated by the attention they're getting. And it's like, but you would like stop getting this attention if you logged off. You know, you would stop getting this attention. Like, if Amber quit the show and stopped posting on social media, like, we wouldn't talk about Amber. Like, this whole time that this show was off the air, we barely, like, in between seasons when Amber wasn't online, like, we didn't talk about her almost at all, right? Like, event occasionally I'd be like, wow, we haven't heard from Amber in a long time. Like, Amber has the ability to, like, really live an anonymous life, all things considered. I'm sure she would pop up every once in a while, but, like, Amber, if she was not on Teen Mom and she did not post online or publicly post online, if she had a private Instagram and a private Snapchat, like, we wouldn't, there wouldn't be reports about her. She's, like, not that famous. Like, it's not like she's Britney Spears in 2007 with, like, you know what I mean? Just, like, thousands of cameras running behind her. And unfortunately, like, part of the trade-off of making so much money is that you're a public figure and the... And if you want to make that money, like, people are going to write about you. And now I'm not saying they should, like, poke at her, but it's like when influencers will, like, share some shitty thing they did and then be like, no can I, no negative comments, please. I don't want any negative comments. It's like, well, you don't, you don't get to decide if people think negatively or not about this. Like, that's not how it works. And for Amber, first of all, to put herself on par with Anthony Bourdain, Robin Williams is interesting. Um, That's an interesting choice of hers. But she did. That's what she believes. I think that, like, it's sad because I do think that this is all a result of her being unwell. And I do think that MTV should not be filming her, honestly. I, I really do think that. I... I mean, I don't think getting fired would necessarily make her mental health better. Uh, It would, you know, she wouldn't... She would have a big lack of resources if that happened. But, like... In general, I think that Amber should not be on television because she can't handle the feedback. Like, once again, to talk about Kale, who I think Amber and Kale are comparable in a lot of ways, um, Kale can deal with it. She actually thrives off it, which is a whole other story. Um, If you want to make money like this, like, you have to deal with it. It's just the reality of what the job is. And it's sad because she got the job at such a young age and I don't really think made like necessarily an active choice to like make this her career but now she is an adult she is in her 30s like she can change paths if she wants to and if she does not want to deal with this like she should not be on a reality television show it's that simple like if she doesn't want to hear about her ex and his wife talk about her like then just don't be on tv like, there, there's an easy solution for this, and it's that you're not on TV. You don't get to have this easy breezy life on TV and not face any negative consequences from it. It's just not how the world works. So, you know, Amber, I don't know. Amber needs to go away and get help, as I've said a million times. Okay, I think that's it for me this week. Um, I hope everybody has a nice week. If you want to listen to me on Patreon, talk about non-teen mom things, come to patreon.com slash Explains, and I will talk to you again soon. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.